welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for beer news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man who believes that no good deed, bad deed, or morally ambiguous deed goes unpunished, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man who objects to the three-tier system of beer, glass, and mouth, and thus, he drinks directly from the tap, Mike Albright. (laughs) And of course, the man whose audio skills are so monumental that if he chose, he'd be an audio monopoly... The man far, far too handsome for an exclusive contract, Jesse Clark. <laughs> Today is December 15th, 2015, and we're recording Sample Sode 53, Dirty Deals. This week, Mike, Jesse, and myself sat down to, to discuss the evil empire that is attempting to destroy the plucky rebels who want nothing but to be left alone and prosper in peace. Knowing us, you might assume that we're going to be discussing Star Wars The Force Awakens, but you would be wrong. We are instead speaking about how the U.S. Department of Justice is investigating claims that AB InBev is attempting to use their powers to create a legal trust uh, between them and their distributors to ensure that craft beer cannot compete. So to really understand this claim, we have to talk about the history of beer in the United States, specifically uh, once Prohibition ended. So um, I don't want to put you on the spot, Mike, but you want to talk about the three-tier system and why it came to be? So... Yeah, after, I mean, so Prohibition um, ended, but it wasn't without, like, they wanted to put some rules into place before they just brought it back. And what they decided on was the three-tier system. So basically, rather than have breweries, you know, have these monopolies and then be able to control everything, they decided to put a middleman in between them. And that's why you can only buy beer from distributors rather than, like, say, AB InBev branded stores. Um yeah, so basically that's a three-tier system. Like you have the brewery, and you have your like wholesalers, distributors, and then you have uh, like the mom-and-pop stores. And then you – well, I guess the three tiers would be uh, – yeah, so distributors, retailers, and then the brewery themselves. So those mm-hmm. are the three tiers. And then I technically I laugh because I think there should be a fourth tier, and it's called the goddamn consumer, which would be, <laughs> which would be us. Um, but yeah, so the idea was that uh, rather than having um, – you know, every brewery that was in charge of like a local area basically say that the only beer you can get in town is their beer um, <laughs> because they had the power of saying we're the only place you can buy beer and we ship it directly to the bars. And if a bar decides that they want to sell another beer, we'll just cut them off from our beer. And it's very destructive. So they had a lot of uh, market influence and uh, and uh, so they would do they could basically own the market and do whatever they wanted. And people realized that uh, one of these things was they were really great at getting people to drink a lot of alcohol and then waste their paychecks, and then uh, go home and beat their wives, uh, which happened quite a bit, which is one of the major reasons why Prohibition came into action, is uh, the temperance movement was a lot about uh, domestic violence at home and poverty due to drinking paychecks. So the three-tier system was set up as a way to you know, have this, this middleman where they could say, <laughs> we kind of have more power now. That's what happens when you get women to vote. They just vote beer away. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, there are still women, women and men who are in for that, but uh, they are a very, of very joking, small yes, minority but, now. But that's, that was the timing, wasn't it? It was like, that was yep. right. Women got the, the, the right to vote and they voted away. They voted prohibition. Yep. And that was one of the what a mistake. Things. In retrospect, alcohol. However, uh, if you look at the statistics, I mean, not the mistake again. Prohibition, not the forgiving women. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Repeal the Nineteenth Amendment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, well, so what's interesting is now that you have distributors, and we've got really, you know, they're great distributors in Pennsylvania um, that we enjoy, where you can go in there and you have a large selection of beer from all over the country that you can buy in bulk, and then you can go to bars and buy a limited quantity. Um, up to 12 pack in a single purchase uh, and the idea being that if you want larger sums of alcohol a case kegs etc you got to go to the middle tier in order to get that 
Um, the problem is, is that apparently, uh, according to uh, the U.S. Just, just Department of Justice, um, they are investigating uh, five different deals across three states where AB InBev has basically secretly and quietly attempted to collude with distributors in order to help their sales. So apparently a bunch, uh, it doesn't exactly name who are the complainants in the article, but uh, essentially what has happened is the uh, the idea of the deal is that AB InBev has approached some large-scale distributors and basically said, if you sell something uh, akin to 95% of your sales or above of our products, we will cover a shit ton of your operating costs. And so the distributor, it's like, whoa, we have all this, we, not all this, but they have overhead, obviously, as part of the business. So if they basically realize, hey, we're selling 80% of you know, Budweiser products anyway, and if we get that up another... 25% it means that AB InBev will pay for most of the things that we have to do like you know perhaps stuff like um, you know buying kegs or you know transportation or whatever and so what a lot of the uh, the people who are complaining basically say that in situations like this that um, kills their growing beer market um, so the article says, is talking about how craft brewers are noticing this explosion. Um, so while beer sales rose 0.5% in 2014 overall, craft beer sales went up by 17.6% to 11% of the entire U.S. market, which means if beer sales only went up a half a point and craft beer went up 17.6%, the only way that makes sense is if uh, mass market beers went down significantly. And so uh, what craft beers, brewers are noticing um, is that in these markets where there's these deals, all of a sudden they can't get their beer distributed. And since it's illegal for the brewery to sell directly to um, bars, it essentially locks them out of a market. And so the D DOJ is investigating AB InBev to say, does this actually constitute like a trust or a cartel? Mm -hmm. The idea of it being a beer cartel is amusing to me. It is, yeah. And so, uh, however, free market advocates might argue that this is part of the market. So I thought we would sit down and discuss, are huh. there pros to this? Are uh -huh. there what are the pros and cons to this? And is this a growing concern that the craft beer really has to worry about that uh, AB InBev will use its power in the market influence, not to necessarily compete fairly, but to attempt to push them out of the market? See, a free but, market is free to all people involved. I mean, it's got to be, it's, if you exclude people, then it's not a free market. I mean, it's, I mean, people are forgetting that consumers are part of this. <laughs> um, a lot of people want to think that free market involves monopolies, but that is actually the opposite of that. It's especially dangerous because what like AB InBev and a lot of them are doing is horizontal monopolies. Yeah. Because they're buying up a lot of like any big uh, microbrewery. Because I mean, the, the consumer is deciding the market by putting a lot of, you know, they're buying microbrews because they, they think the quality is a lot better. Uh, they like their product a lot better. So AB InBev sees this. They see their declining market share and go, oh, well, then if I'm getting beat by company A, I'll just buy company A. Right. And then, yeah, as they sort of add these uh, different breweries to their stable uh, Goose Island, Lagunitas, um, Elysian, uh, then all of a sudden they have a lot more might and clout and yeah, then they are sort of forming a cartel. But now they're doing a vertical, you know, it's, that's not, so what they're doing now is not vertical. I mean, when they're, when you're essentially sponsoring the distributor, you are becoming that distributor in a way you are now part ownership of that. It's yeah. now, that's a vertical monopoly there. It's not just horizontal anymore. No, they're just, it's no, more of like they're doing a circular. Too, yeah. mm -hmm. They're doing a circular, but it's, it's they're getting up, down, but both X and Y axes. Well, yeah. What would be scary if like all of a sudden like AB InBev just started buying up like hop fields everywhere? <laughs> yeah. 
That's one way to squeeze out a lot of the breweries. It's like, oh, you want your citra hops? Well, you got to, you know, pay up to AB InBev. Well, that was um, certainly interesting. Uh, I found this article originally on Facebook, and a lot of the uh, craft beer nerds on Facebook were discussing it. And one was um, Joel from um, Trogues. And he was saying that on his most recent uh, trip out west uh, with the company for hop selection, um, he was saying that, you know, you're in a room as Trogues and Trogues is obviously a, a somewhat regional player in central Pennsylvania for, in terms of beer and they use a lot of particular ingredients, but that there was like a room for these guys. And then there was like freaking AB InBev. And it's like, cause they're on a whole different level of, in terms of buying purchasing power, like, Hey, we're not just going to buy some of your hops. We're going to buy like all of your hops yeah. that they, and that includes like, not only just the Budweiser product, but also Goose Island and some of the other, the micro brews that they've purchased um, also can collaboratively come together to have preferential treatment in terms of selection, that that can also be a huge problem where if there is a particular strain of um, experimental hops that a bunch of brewers are super excited about, that AB InBev can come in and basically be like, yeah, we'll pay you like 1.5 times anybody else just to have them so that nobody else can compete with you know Goose Island to say that they have insert cools, uh, you know, experimental hop there. Well, maybe it should be more like, I mean, since it's cartels, maybe it should be more like the oil cartelers. So no, no matter what, the oil has to be sold on a, on a market so that it's a free market where anyone can bid on it then. So if the price of oil is this, then that's what you get it at. So if AB and Bev got it at X amount, that means that Trogues could also get it at that exact price then too. So mm-hmm. if we're on, an, on a bidding market, you know, maybe we should go for cartels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's interesting. So we should have all of our hop growers get together and basically be OPEC yes, and then have yes. the brewers. I mean, and it's, that it's fair because I feel like there is a limitation for um, small brewers and uh, for, for small breweries trying to get um, sort of premium tier ingredients. Um, now, thankfully, especially for the um, the patented hops the uh the ones that are you know like all the ones that were the sea where they have been you know patented and they're like you can't just grow them whereas all of like sort of the quote-unquote open source or non-patented hops you can go to a place and start growing them but uh you can't just like buy citra hop seeds and go into your backyard and start growing them and selling them uh because whoever owns the patent Monsanto or whatever that comes I, I don't think they have control of that but it is something very similar where there's people who are like we have bred this particular plant for this particular thing and we have put our copyright or whatever patent or whatever on that that's so fucked and so up. you have to have permission from us to grow it and so again that could be something where a amazing new hop could come out and maybe that's another thing that that ab and bev will look at for verticalization is saying we're going to basically buy the farmer who invented this strand of hops and we're basically going to say the only place you can get that is from bud light citra and that's the only place you'll ever get this hop ever uh, to totally exclude out any other brewing options. Which, so Citra Hop is one of those? Uh, the general scheme is most hops that start with a C have been... So Cascade, Citra, they're... I believe those are all patented hops. I'd have to double check. We can oh, yes. It. I'm pretty sure Citra is. Uh, Cascade's not. Cascade's um, not, okay. A couple other. Mosaic, I think, is. Um, any of your traditional hops, like your Saz or any of those, they're not. But, yeah, any of the, the popular ones, especially these new, like, tropical ones, are... Yeah. And it's kind of funny. Like they always start out with like weird, like, you know, experimental hop UT320 or something. It's always (laughs) some weird code name. And then eventually, like, I guess if it passes through um, testing and it decides that they're, oh, this is a pretty good one, then yeah, they'll give it like some cool name. Yeah. 
marketable. So uh, the article that I'm reading off of, which will be in the show notes, uh, quotes Nikos Ridge, uh, CEO of Ninkasi Brewing Co. out of Oregon. And he said that uh, when two of his distributors were bought by AMB InBev in 2011 and 2012, he saw healthy sales growth quickly stall until he found other distributors. And he's quoted as saying, quote, our feeling was that we weren't getting the same level of representation. We saw our trends drop and we have seen improvements since we switched. And so that's sort of the general complaint is that, hey, there was a distributor and they were open to all manner of things and suddenly AB InBev bought them and suddenly they don't really care about buying any more of our beer. And so the argument would be like, well, what changed? And is that pressure from AB InBev to say, you know, we want you to, to focus on our beers first? Maybe we should have that for all parts of society. I know this is just a beer podcast, but I mean, maybe all suppliers should be separate from all distributors. So like Walmart doesn't have an exclusive thing from whatever children's factory and whatever sub-Asian culture that, you know, they're, they're using to make their shirts. But I mean, like, you know, maybe everyone should have access to like, I mean, we should have separation of all of those different elements. It would be interesting because like one of the big problems would be like, so people always talk about, you know, well, we live in a free market and it's like, yeah, go try starting your own telecom company. Oh, yeah, See absolutely. How that yeah, goes like uh, you'd have to compete go, with Comcast. I dare you. Yeah, you'd have to lay your own cables, you'd ha- you know, and do all of the stuff that would come along. Um, and thankfully, we've basically um, there are is legislation about sharing cellular towers because they didn't want to have to have like the AT&T tower right next to oh, the, God, yeah. you know, the uh, Verizon tower next to the singular tower. Because that would just be an eyesore. There'd be freaking towers everywhere, yeah. uh, which was just bad for business in general. But I kind of feel like, like, first of all, we subsidize the living shit out of companies like Verizon and Comcast uh, from the federal government. Like we we paid them to lay the cable, and then I pay them for <laughs> a we, stupid yeah. amount of money, yeah. and then we basically subsidize them again by paying ridiculous prices for lackluster yeah. uh, products. Uh, if you can call it internet and cable TV products. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that there might be some sense there where like um, essentially there is a, I mean, that's what the DOJ is, is investigating is AB InBev um, sort of becoming a cartel by vertically integrating in this way. Are they basically making it so the competition can't exist and therefore um, hindering the growth of craft beer? And that's sort of an interesting thing to be, to be seen. Yeah. Not to play devil's advocate, but can we maybe talk about beer well yeah let's talk about beer let's <laughs> let's look at the other way though rather than like look at the big macros how about like uh, i mean to have to have power is also to use like your popularity so say something like tired hands obviously a microbrewery but notice how they've sort of cut these deals with certain air places in and around uh the region that they will only exclusively deal with say the fridge how is that not also subverting the three-tier system? Yeah, and that has been a legitimate question that um, I don't think um, the purveyors of the fridge, it's not on them to worry about, um, so they didn't really know the answer of it. But you're right. I don't know how they can self-distribute unless they also own a distributing company that then has agreements with certain bars to do it. So I don't know if there's like Tired Hands the Brewery and then Tired Hands Distributing to do that. Or if they have some sort of agreement with Ace Distributing to say we're going to sell you beer, but you can only distribute it to this agreement. Like I don't know if like technically that's, the beer that's the same that is that's definitely subverting the system. I yeah. mean, maybe if they actually did somehow set up their own distributor, but they still still need a special license. And I would be surprised if they would actually award somebody that also brews a beer a distributing license. Yeah. 
Well, huh. I know that they've sort of, I mean, it's not unprecedented only because there are distributors that like basically in areas where there isn't a lot of competition that like distributors basically AB InBev and like Miller Coors kind of went in 50-50 and said, you know, we're just going to use this to ship the same beers to the same place. And they were very cooperative and open about it between the two big players. Now, whether or not they would be cooperative to craft beer that's now totally going to take both their markets, who knows, but it's not beyond the realm. But yeah, I don't know how Tired Hands is able to ship six stoles and kegs from the brewery to a retailer without that being a violation of the three-tier system. I think that the three-tier system should, I think it should exclude smaller players like that. Up until a certain limit? Up Up until you're like trogue size or something like that. Like, so if you're tired hands, yeah, yeah, that's fine. If you're Springhouse or something like that, whatever. I mean, to get your product off the ground, I think maybe it should support that, regardless of whether it actually does. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of been an argument for a while is what constitutes a microbrewery. So obviously, like, a brewery's, um, what is it? The yeah, Samuel Adams, no. <laughs> right, course. but I mean... <laughs> Yeah, the Brewers Association and all that, it's yeah. like their own lobbying group, and then they keep like redefining the rules so that certain people can still be allowed, case in point, yeah. uh, Sam Adams. But so yeah, where do you where do you draw that line? Who yeah, who's the little guy that's really struggling versus the big regional player that's doing pretty well and getting bigger every day? Because I mean, I see like certain distributors will also strike up like exclusivity deals like say Kirkner's they're a beverage distributor and they have an exclusivity deal with Yingling Lager but as far as I know Yingling has never come in and said you're only allowed to sell to these certain places because they obviously want their beer to go as wide as possible right but somebody like Tired Hands who obviously they don't have the means to produce probably as much as they know they could sell they instead keep that pastiche about their beer by only say distributing to the fridge in Lancaster County and then I think what um yeah, Al, Al's up in uh, the Camp Hill has um, the exclusivity too up in that region. Okay, so some states do have self-distribution laws under a certain quantity. So that would be an interesting thing that if... if Because um, I always thought with self, self-distribution, like obviously I can go to a brewery and buy, they can sell me, but I thought it was always like a very small amount, like say maybe up to a six toll. Like at uh, that time, I tried to go to um, Springhouse and buy a six toll, and if they had had it, they would have sold it to me. Well, it looks like the Brewers Association has a nice web call called Self Distribution Laws. So let's just go to PA and see what it has to say. Okay. All right. Oh my God. This mm-hmm. is legalese. Um, so the board shall issue to any person. A resident of the Commonwealth, a good of good repute, who applies therefore the pays the license fees here and after prescribed and manufacturer's license to produce and manufacture malted brewed beverages and to transport, sell, and deliver malt and brewed beverages from the place of manufacture only in original containers, in quantities of not less than a case or original containers containing one hundred twenty eight ounces or more, which may be sold separately within the Commonwealth. Except as hereinafter provided, such license shall authorize the holder therein of to sell or deliver malted brew beverages in quantities above specified anywhere within the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which, in the case of distributors, have been purchased only from persons licensed under the Act, as manufacturers or importing distributors, and in the case of importing distributions, have been purchased from blah, 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 blah. When a Pennsylvania manufacturer of malt or brewed beverages licensed under this article names or 
constitutes a distributor or importing distributor as the primary or original supplier of his product, he shall also designate the specific geographical area for which the said distributor or importing distributor is given distributing rights and such distributor or importing distributor shall not yet. This is so unreadable for a human being. I mean, you know I don't have like a sensor. I can't beat you out for all, all this talk. You know, this is going to just be left in. I mean, uh, yeah, I have the little disclaimer before this podcast. <laughs> so uh, 128 ounces sounds like far less than a keg. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know how on earth that works then. So I guess you do, Pennsylvania does have, the, you can get a license to self-distribute. So I guess the only way this would work is if Tired Hands had their license to self-distribute. Um, but then in the matter, it would be to what quantity and for what other limitations are there. Because I, I know like, obviously like Trogue sells cases of beer. You can go and buy a case and right. you can get six tools from them too. They'll sell it to you. But that's always like to a private party. So I don't know if maybe if, like they would sell it to someone who then would gift it to the fridge or maybe. I don't know, <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, I, I'm wondering if it's because it's in like it's a single sale for a single keg and there is, is taxes on it. And I would imagine that um, Trogues themselves or Tired Hands has to pay additional tax to the PA Liquor Control Board. I can't imagine that... Um, the PA Liquor Control Board wouldn't want their cut out of that. And that's pretty much the rub, yeah. So I imagine, yeah, maybe there is something with that. They can get like a special exemption from it as long as they, they pay those double taxes. I mean, I guess I, I look at it because like maybe it's the whole like en- the enemy of my enemy is my friend um, or the opposite. It's like if I'm a small brewery and obviously there's AB InBev, but I'm sort of like in a different league than them because I'm, you know, a microbrewer. Right. I'm not trying to make like, you know, crappy lagers. But if there's like another regional brewery that sort of muscles their way into certain places and dictates that, you know, one of the few taps they have has to be their beer. That's still kind of screwing me over. I mean, if I if I go into these bars and go, hey, you know, are you interested in distributing, you know, Mike's Awesome Beer? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we have no interest because we'd rather, you know, or we have to sell this beer. I'd have your beer. Would I'd you have Mike's, Mike's awesome, awesome Beer? beer. Is that the name of your beer? Yeah, the Mike Means Well Brewing Company. <laughs> Mike's Means Well. It was Mike's awesome beer, but now it's just Mike Means Well. This may not be that great, but he meant well. <laughs> Can I sell like an awesome lemonade? Now I get sued. Mm. Mike's Tough Lemonade. <laughs> Mike's <laughs> Not so smooth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, in order to figure this Holy out. Holy shit, that I'd really is to... like... <laughs> Yeah, somebody actually asked the Liquor Control Board. So it's uh, uh, lbcapplications.lbc or lbcapps.lcb.state.pa.us. And basically, uh, Joseph Reichenbacher from Pig Hill Brewery uh, emailed about a self-distribution question, and he had a couple of questions about them. And the response back was basically, you've asked many questions on this in several previous occasions. It is highly recommended you seek private counsel experience in Pennsylvania liquor law to efficiently guide you through the complexities of your business enterprise. So basically it was like, yeah, we might not explain this clearly to you. You probably should go freaking talk to a lawyer, which is probably what we'd have to do. But it does seem that you can get a... um, I wonder how much it is that like it's it's too complex to explain over an email versus I don't know what the fuck I wrote. <laughs> Go get someone else to tell you what yeah. I wrote in this or, statute. Or, or more, <laughs> we have no fucking clue what Congress wrote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they passed something. We this is what we the wording is says as such. So um, yeah, it is pretty crazy. But it does seem like uh, 
So it says your manufacturer license includes the right to transport your product in lawfully marked vehicles. Um, and so basically if you're manufacturing it, you have some right to like, you know, ship it to distributors and blah, blah, blah. But you can alternatively grab um, a, your own license to self-distribute. But that seems to be a different thing that's a, you know, so it's sort of like a, seems like there's like sort of like a quasi middle ground where it's like I'm the manufacturer, but I also have a license to distribute. So technically your distributor and a brewery all in one. Okay. I mean, maybe they went to like their distributor, like as a, as a three, not a three way party, but you know, a, a three team party and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like I'm going to make, you know, the fridge is going to make a deal with their distributor that they're, if they were to come into tired hands beer, they would be the first person to get them. They have like, and then the distributor says, okay, yeah, let's make that. Then they turn to tired hands and goes, can, can we have kegs of beer, you know, to supply any bar that maybe we want to. Yeah. And Tired and Hand says, two okay, of, sure. We only need one of them because it's right, under the fridge. Exactly. Yeah, Tired Hand says, you know what? I, I'd love to do that, but I don't have that much to supply you. Maybe only a couple of kegs. And the distributor says, oh, that's okay. So yeah. it looks like when, so, <clears throat> bringing this into English. Um, so if you are, um, if you're in-state licensed manufacturer of malt or brewed beverages, you may choose to function and you choose to function as your own primary distributor, a D license or importing distributor, ID license. Um, you can do that. However, you must pick and I guess agree to a, uh, in, in conjunction with the PA Liquor Control Board, a geographical location. And as such, you cannot sell to any uh, premises located outside of that geographical area. No. So Tired Hands probably applied for a D license to self-distribute, said, hmm. boom, here's our location of where we're going to sell. And then I guess you can't be like another individual or a like um, a business and come in and be like, yo, I'm from like New York. Uh, I'm going to go. Well, New York would be across state boundaries. That'd be a whole other mess. But like, hey, I'm from Erie. I want to grab like, you know. 10 kegs of your beer and I'm going to head back home and sell it back there. That would be probably a huge deal because I'm assuming the PA liquor control board says here is the boundary in which you're allowed to distribute. And if you go beyond that, you have to have an agreement with an entity. I wonder if it has to be though at all, like the, the center of that area has to be their brewery. Like, can we say, Oh, I can oh, sell within <laughs> five feet of the fridge. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, John J. Jeffries, you're 20 feet away. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the, pro so the, the interesting thing about this though, is that if you become your own distributor, then it's not like it's the same way that like when um, Ace Distributors or the Kirkners or Wheatland, basically, they can make their own deals with bars. So like Wheatland can just basically be like, yeah, lucky dog. We don't like you. We're not going to sell to you. And that's perfectly within their rights to do that. Like they can refuse sales to anybody. So mm -hmm. that's essentially what Tired Hands is doing is saying within the locate within our location, the only place that we like that happens to be in Lancaster County is the fridge. And we just refuse oh. sales to everybody else because oh, wow. demand is too high and supply is too low. Hmm. Um, which they would have legal right to do the same way that if you like, so they're not just giving it to a distributor, they're giving it to a distributor that only does the distributor only work with the fridge then. Well, so if they are their own distributor, then that's exactly what they're doing. Okay. But any brewery, I mean, Troz could do that. Troz could come into Lancaster County and say, we're only going to work with Kirkner's. And then Kirkner says, we're only going to work with, um, you know, poor. And then the only way you could get Troz beer in Lancaster County would be, um, through poor. I think that, I think that's, that's, I, once again, like I think that microbreweries should be, micro businesses should be allowed a lot of lenience, mm -hmm. um, but the the way that they're like just trying to change the law, they're trying to like skirt around it is just it's really bad. It's it's stupid. It's, well, uh, I wish they didn't have to do that. But they are, yeah. I mean, 
that's kind of what they're doing. They're using like their size to their advantage. So obviously like that sort of like self-distribution deal works out for somebody like a tired hands. But why are we complaining about that with AB and Bev then a moment ago, you know, or, you know, well, because, um, it, it'd be like tired hands saying to a, like a distributor, you're only allowed to sell tired hands. But that's what's happening at the fridge is they have to have, that means that one of those, one of those taps is not something else. But, but let's say Tired Hands goes to Wheatland and they say, all right, you know, if you sell like 90% of just our product, then we'll cover your costs, but it has to be 90% of our product. And then Wheatland, for whatever reason, you know, decides, you know, they could sell, well, they could really sell to anybody, let's say, but because there's only like a tiny amount of Tired Hands beer, they're only going to sell to the fridge. Um, then that's definitely like, well, then all of a sudden, all these other beers that Wheatland carried can't get distributed anymore. Like and if none I of them can get that 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 tap at the fridge. So the fridge is one tap short. So it's like, to a degree, it's a lot. True, but it's on a much smaller scale. So what ABM Dev do, is doing is it's, it's doing yeah, essentially doing that, a, but on a much larger scale. Yeah, agreed, but it's still, it's still, it's still bad. Um, once again, I, I, I think that, that you should have separate laws for, like it, there should be a threshold by which that law would matter. Um, but if if it's a, if we're tr- trying to apply it to everything, then we should be you know if if, if uh, I think tired hands is, is skirting the law just as AB and Bev is here. Um, I mean, like hypothetically, if like Yorgos ended up getting the exclusive rights to Russian River Bre- Brewing Company, like if they did a similar deal where they ended up being the only place in Lancaster County where you could get um, you know Pliny the Elder and Younger and stuff, I would have a huge problem with that. I mean, I'd be super stoked that there was a place in town to get it, but I would fucking hate having to go into Yorgos to get that beer. And I think that the upside is like the fridge is a great place and it's a good business and they're open to all. And, you know, they're not a douchey clusterfuck like Yorgos. Um, So I think that's sort of the, 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 the other alternative is that like I don't have such an objection because it happens to be a place that I go all the time. But it is sort of like, I mean, I'm almost... I love hunger and thirst, but I hate that it's a little farther away. And it would be super annoying if they really were like consistently the only place to get Hill Farmstead in in the county. Or maybe if like getting more was excursion number three or something. Number five is on Friday. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like if someplace else like in like Ephrata ended up having like amazing beer, and it was like that's the only place to get it in Lancaster County. But like fuck, I gotta drive like twenty five minutes to get the. Great, this great beer that sucks and so i i would hope now i know hill farms that it's again it's a d- demand thing and a one particular distributor and so i would assume that if other bars team up with that distributor to mm-hmm. buy from them that, that as more de- supply ends up hitting this region that more places will have Hill Farmstead, which would be great. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, so I mean, by the same deal, like I mean, Hill Far- Hill Farmstead may just be dealing with you know, uh, hunger and thirst, and maybe they won't deal with the fridge, which I think is stupid. Well, well they're going through a distributor. Yeah. And the distributor is they've um, hunger and thirst has worked with the distributor, and I guess the fridge doesn't. Or if they do, no, they I do. mean, so it's they it's do work with it's the a, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying it's like the same deal that Tired Hands has could be the one that Hill, Hill yeah, Farmstead exactly. has, so which, totally. yeah. which obviously Tired Hands works for us because it is the fridge and it's down the street from us. Mm. Um, but if the Hill Farmstead and it was like an effort, I mean, that would suck and we'd be complaining. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really. Um, I mean, the three tier system would be tears from my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was worried that that's what was going to happen because I, you know, Hill Farmstead first showed up at the Hunger and Thirst and it was there for a long time and I thought it was exclusive, but actually Hunger or Hill Farmstead has been showing up at the fridge. Yeah. Not nearly in the same volume as Hunger and Thirst, right. but at least they're getting a little bit of love. So 
thankfully for me at least it works out but yeah i could see people in effort of being like well fuck you know why is all the good beer going to lancaster like well you're in fucking effort screw them yeah. see this is i, I <laughs> as long as it's my locale yeah. your I'm consolation cool. is you can at least go to saint boniface whenever you want so well and there's yeah. been complaints with uh, in terms of like just general retailer business models so um founders obviously has a limited supply of Kentucky breakfast out um, due to the KBS due to the fact that like you got to fucking put it in a barrel and there's only so many barrels and like it takes a year to make and like it it's a problem so uh, I do believe their production has slowly gone up but it's not the, it's the same as breakfast out that they can churn out you know every couple of weeks with without any real hassle um, and as such they basically um, give more KBS to locations that have more founders sales overall mm -hmm. and so there's been complaints about smaller joints that have rotating taps versus something like the federal tap house that can yeah. have like four founders on tap constantly and so they inevitably do more founder sales because you can walk in there and founders is freaking pretty much always on tap there and then they can do like hey it's a special buy you know two founders the price of one day or whatever and really push that yeah. so when the special beers come out it's like hey we have a we have more because we don't have better sales versus a place that's like well we love your beer and we hype and we're gonna have like 60 people out the door you know in order to get this beer but they're gonna get less because they can't dedicate you know two three tap lines to be nothing but founders all year round well, I mean, I guess is that is that the free market that work? I mean, that, it definitely is the free yeah. market. I don't think there's a whole lot of complaining that I mean, there's a complaining in the sense of like, oh, my favorite place isn't going to get as much KBS as the place that I don't like as much. But I don't know how you make a moral argument stating that like, well, that place does sell their product more, and so if they want to give them more of the fancy beer, then I don't know how I can say no. That's well, as long as it's in my still in my neighborhood, <laughs> I won't make the moral argument. And, but I will if it if it is Ephrata. Yeah. In, in a way, it's almost a good thing because. The, not everyone who goes to the federal tap house yeah, at least yes. a couple of years ago is big into that kind of stuff so yeah. like it used to be that when kbs had dried up around town that the friendly mm -hmm. greek was out of it the fridge was out of it hunger and thirst was out of it you could pop into the federal tap house and they still had it on tap there and you're just like freaking idiots yeah. Pour me up. <laughs> yeah. yeah that i was gonna make that point yeah that is really cool uh, especially like <laughs> your, your um metaphor about uh Yorgo's having you know plenty of yellow. That actually might not be too bad. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean they'll have a lot of it. It's a shitty atmosphere, but you know nobody else is drinking it there, so yeah. and they hell it'd probably be pretty cheap because they're like nobody is buying this damn beer, and it's like well, I will. <laughs> I was shocked that our good friend decided that she never wanted to go there again after watching a guy get stabbed in the eye with a spoon. Who? Jesus what? Christ, Natividad. That's why she stopped going to Yorgo's is because she witnessed a guy get stabbed in the eye with a spoon while she was there. Holy fuck. wow! Because she used to go all the time, and I, and I would always be like, "Look, I know it's like eleven thirty, and you're at Yorgo's. I just can't drag myself there." Oh God! Because uh, she'd always be there for the dance and the 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 the, the men, dancing the really men, maybe I don't know, but yeah. she went for reasons. It, that, it has uh, it I has an allure remember. to certain women. They just they <laughs> love Yorgo's. They like the so. Greek men. <laughs> So yeah, but uh, yeah, that would be a real shame. So thankfully, we have uh, a couple of great craft beer bars who are big into uh, craft beer, and they're doing a good job of getting these rarer and more exclusive beers, because it would be a crying shame otherwise. And I mean, I even like the Friendly Greek. I don't stop to drink there, but boy, will I pick stuff up, and they usually have a pretty damn good selection. Yeah, I've never yeah. stopped to drink there. I mean, yeah. I have their selection, but do you, does anyone stop to drink there? Does anyone have their food? Is it good? Uh, the so there are people there who will drink uh, lower quality. I was gonna beer. say there's people oh, there yeah, drinking beer, quantity. but it's. Yeah. I see like forties. Like I was buying like three forties at a time, and 
I've seen dudes coming up with like, I'll have three pitchers of PBR, thank you, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Which, Just one you know, person, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, him and like a friend, and it's like, yeah, we need all this uh, PBR. But uh, no, I never seen it. It was Dan Ramirez. Like, <laughs> well, actually, I should say that I have actually seen guys there talking and drinking craft beer. So I've seen one person. We, we all know who that is. It's, <laughs> well, it's Woody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Touche. And I feel bad because actually, yeah, it's a place like to pick up great beer and bottles, and that's all I do. But actually, they generally have a decent selection on tap, or at least they're trying. Oh yeah, they do. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, who the hell is drinking that? Like, yeah, it was the same with. Uh, I haven't been to Molly's uh, in a while. I know they had a bunch of like drafts do too that mm-hmm. you could fill up a growler there, and it was actually some pretty decent stuff. But uh, same thing, like most of the people in the neighborhood, I don't think were really going for that. Yeah, I mean, most of the people in the, I mean, most of the people who went to the bar were the people from the neighborhood. Like when I lived there, like across the street, um, you would go there in the evening, and it was the same people who lived on the same block with you. In fact, like the one guy who was there all of his life, I think he was like ninety something, and he died. Um, and he grew up in that house, and he died in that house, and he went to the Molly's, and like they even put like his name by the seat that he always sat at. It's like, and it's one of those bars where it is. It's the people who live around there go there or like the the or the frequent it well be, frequently mm. oh, yeah. and um yeah, good neighborhood bar yeah. yeah so it's it's I mean I don't I don't know if it's, it's a bar that I just want to go like visit and like have a great beer at that's what kind of, like, turns me off about the place oh really oh. yeah because it's like well I'm gonna go there and there's gonna be like all the bar stores are gonna be taken up by all the locals who oh, well, yeah. who were there who lived there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, kind it's of, small, and that's the issue with it. Well, that, that's kind of like um, uh, Brendy's uh, issue, too. Oh, besides yeah. Besides the other main giant one. Um, um, but y- you go in there, and there's definitely like a lot of regulars, and I feel the heat whenever I go in there to buy something. <laughs> it's not from their cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not from that. <laughs> yeah, but, it is sort of interesting where it's also like, hey, I, I literally live right down the street, and I used to come here for five years straight playing trivia on Wednesdays, but... Because I'm not here drinking it Saturday at 11 a.m. that I'm not yeah. a regular. I, I can't compete with those guys. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not knocking on the door on Sunday going, when are you open? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a different different culture for sure. Yeah, I don't miss like when I go in there to like pick up a six pack like and I leave after like 30 seconds and I smell like smoke. Yep. Like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't miss this at all. Yeah, really. Thickly concentrated. Brutal. So that's that's it for today's show. We hope you uh, had some uh, interesting thoughts from our uh, critique of the shadiness that AB InBev is trying to manipulate the three-tier system. Join us next week. We will be back for our first episode that will be released in 2016. So we'll do our 2015 year-end wrap-up. I will have to go through and um, include all of the uh, scores as to who is winning beer versus beer. Pretty sure Mike and I have uh, Emily fairly, fairly slaughtered. <laughs> at least uh, this year. At least this time. Yeah, I think she won once, did she? Uh, yes. And okay. I think uh, of the other 50 that Mike and I have between us, that uh, it's like, you know, 50 for Mike, maybe 50 or 49 for me, and then one for Emily. So, woo! All right. And then also we'll look at um, probably the, the... So there, you're saying there's 102 weeks in here? That we've <laughs> something along those like lines. <laughs> we've done a lot of beer podcasts. <laughs> we'll also do uh, my typical year wrap-up where I pull out all the statistics from Untapped and look at what I like the most, what at styles I drank the most, you know, that kind of stuff. Because as, as an Untapped supporter, I get access to all of my, uh, my data, which is pretty sweet. So... Um, We'll take a look at exactly how uh, the year of beer in 2015 went. 
untapped supporter that mean you're like you're financially providing or? yeah yeah i pay a little pay a little money um oh and they give you that stats and they yeah you have access to all your data then oh so yeah i'm not giving them out. anything that's fine that's fine so i don't get access to any they, of my stats. they make plenty of money without that so uh yeah um so they, they don't care either way i just like having access to pull that stuff out and do graphs and charts and excel manipulations of it's always funny. It's always funny when Mike goes through my comments and is like, oh, looks like Rob was three sheets of the wind when he wrote a sentence that makes no sense and it's all misspelled. He yeah, my mom really likes it. it. <laughs> <laughs> she is our undying supporter. <laughs> so thanks for listening, Mrs. Clark. <laughs> Keep on drinking. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer, or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and keep drinking. Keep drinking.